0: The guilty one who has been justified by God through the work of Christ, there is no condemnation. There is no verdict of guilty, and there is no penalty.
1: Welcome to The Word Unleashed with Tom Pennington. Tom is pastor-teacher at Countryside Bible Church in Southlake, Texas. Welcome to The Word Unleashed with Tom Pennington. Tom is pastor-teacher at Countryside Bible Church in Southlake, Texas. Hello again, I'm Bill Wright. And today Tom has part two of his current series titled, No Condemnation. Tom is in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4 we're looking at seven amazing realities that the Gospel provides for those who believe in Jesus Christ. But along with these life-changing realities as found in the text, there can be some common misleading and untrue ideas that believers, new and old, might believe. Well, today Tom will examine these common misunderstandings, looking specifically at how the Gospel of Jesus Christ combats these false ideas, and instead provides for the believer genuine and lasting security in our salvation. The question remains, are you secure in who you are in Christ? Let's join our teacher for more on The Word Unleashed.
0: Because of all our legal representative has done, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is just a summary statement of what he'd been talking about at the end of chapter 5. That's the logical connection. But there's a second insight in verse 1 about this change. Let's call it our legal status. Our legal status. No condemnation. There is now no condemnation. First, take that word now. It's a word Paul loves And he uses it often in this letter to distinguish our lives before Christ from our lives after Christ. He uses it to talk about what happened to move us from B.C. in our personal lives to A.D. Let me show you. I won't show you all the examples. I'll just show you a couple. Look at chapter 5. And notice verse 9. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. Did you see it? Now. Having now been justified by His blood. A.D. This is what's happened after you came to Christ. Verse 11. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. You see how the word now marks the change from your life B.C., to your life A.D. That's exactly what he's doing in chapter 8 verse 1. Go back there. There are other examples by the way, but in the interest of time, just go back to chapter 8. When Paul uses the word now in verse 1, he is describing our present spiritual position and our position from the moment that we are justified. Now. This is what happened as a result of a radical event that happened in heaven's courtroom our justification there was a complete reversal of our legal status there is now no condemnation what Paul wants you to see is that the legal verdict on you is not out the jury isn't still deliberating the verdicts in and the verdict is righteous there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus but now I want, to, I want you to look at the, those two magnificent, profound, encouraging words at the heart of this statement in verse 1. No condemnation. No condemnation. What do they mean? Well, let's take condemnation first. Condemnation comes straight from the courtroom. This word is used, it's the opposite of justification. You saw it back in chapter 5, right? The, the the judge sitting behind his bench can make one of two decisions. He can make a decision of condemnation or he can make a decision of justification. That's it. There's no middle ground, no gray. Justified or condemned. Justified or condemned. Condemnation. The leading Greek lexicon defines it this way, as a judicial pronouncement upon a guilty person. It includes condemnation we could say verdict, and punishment. So let me summarize what it means to be condemned. This is important. If there's no condemnation, you need to understand what it is. Condemnation, to be condemned then, is two things. To be condemned, number one, is to receive a verdict of guilty. And to be condemned, number two, is to be sentenced for the penalty that crime demands it's both it's the verdict and it's the penalty condemnation now do you see what Paul is saying here he says for the sinner the guilty one who has been justified by God through the work of Christ there is no condemnation there is no verdict of guilty and there is no penalty Paul by the way isn't saying this for the first time He said this very same thing throughout this letter in different ways. Let me show you a couple. Look back at chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 16. Even as he states the theme of this letter, he says it. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it, the gospel, is the power of God, notice what he says, for salvation. Salvation from what? Rescue from what? From the penalty that the law brings for having broken it salvation to everyone who believes look over in chapter 3 when Paul begins to explain the gospel he says in verse 23 all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God there's the condemnation there's the bad news he spent the first three chapters talking about and then he says but those sinners are justified declared right with God given a right standing before God as a gift by His grace. And how can He do that? Through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Look at chapter 4, verse 7. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven, as, as He quotes David here, Psalm 32, and whose sins have been covered. Now watch verse 8. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Blessed is the man over whom the judge doesn't say condemned. Go over to chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's not talking about a feeling of peace. That's talking about objective peace. The war between myself and God is over. Peace with God. And as we saw, verses 16 and 18 also talk about the very same thing here in chapter 5. Now, when you come then to chapter 8, verse 1, Paul comes back to this same theme again and simply says it in a different way. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No guilty verdict, no penalty. Now look at that word, no, N-O. It's a great word, little two-letter word that is huge. What's interesting is in the Greek text of Romans chapter 8, the very first word is this word, no. No, Paul begins, no condemnation for the one who is in Christ Jesus. He does it as a point of emphasis. He's driving this home to us. The word no, by the way, the specific Greek word that's used, means not any. For the believer, there is not any condemnation. God will not, indeed, God cannot ever pronounce you guilty in the courtroom of his justice. And there is no sentence of divine justice hanging like the sword of Damocles over your head, ready to fall at any moment. And there never will be. No verdict of guilty and no sentence of hell, no condemnation. Now, sadly, many Christians really fail to understand this. I have to tell you honestly, I didn't get this for a number of years after I became a Christian because there's some bad ideas out there. Some of it's taught, some of it's sort of caught as you develop in your own thinking the wrong theological ideas about this construct. Let me just give you, for a moment, a few of the common but bad theological ideas that rob us of the joy of Romans chapter 8, verse 1. See if you've been captured by some of these bad theological ideas. Bad idea number one, wrong, flawed, unbiblical idea number one. At salvation, God only forgave the sins we committed before salvation. You know, we kind of get into our head, you know, okay, I've lived a life of sin, and I've I've come to Christ, I've asked Him to forgive my sin, and so my past slate is wiped clean, thank God, and we glory in that, and then we sin. It's like, uh uh-oh, what just happened, and what does this mean? And we begin to think, well, you know, maybe at salvation, my sins in the past were forgiven, but now I'm in trouble. Now listen, let me ask you a question. When Jesus died on the cross, how many of your sins for which he died were in the past? This is not a trick question. (laughs) The scriptures teach that when Jesus died on the cross, he died for every sin, past, present, and future, of every person who would ever believe in him. And at the moment of salvation, that was applied to you when you were forgiven you were forgiven at the moment of salvation of every sin that you ever have committed that you are committing or that you will commit that's what the gospel teaches bad idea number two as Christians we are condemned when we sin until we ask God for forgiveness in other words it's it's kinda carrying on the same idea well okay, I, I was forgiven at the moment of salvation and I'm, I'm not condemned. Uh-oh, I just sinned again until I deal with that. You know, today's communion and we're going we're gonna to take communion together. I confess all my sins. I'm good. I'm not condemned. But then I leave here and tomorrow I sin. What happens? Maybe, maybe I'm condemned again. No, that's not what the Scriptures teach. This assumes, this view assumes you sort of go back and forth between a state of condemnation and no condemnation. How do, you, how do you think about this? You know, a lot of people get confused because I ask for forgiveness at salvation, but then the Bible says, I sin as a believer, I'm supposed to ask for forgiveness. So maybe that means I'm, I'm still condemned in some way. No, let, here's how you need to think of it. This is how my own heart came to understand the truth of Scripture and where I find my peace and comfort and confidence. And you'll see this, I think, in just a moment. Before salvation... Well, let me back up and say it this way. Think of two rooms, okay? Two rooms. Before salvation, what room are you in? You're in the courtroom. You're in the courtroom of God's justice. And every time you sin, gavel comes down, condemned, condemned, condemned. And when you come to faith in Christ... And you come before the judge and you humble yourself and because of the work of Jesus Christ you ask him to forgive your sin and declare you righteous with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The final gavel comes down and God says righteous. And you leave the courtroom and you will never be back in that courtroom again because the judge, the final judge has made the ultimate decision about your case and he has said righteous. So you leave the courtroom. You never, for the rest of your life as a Christian, go back into the courtroom of God's justice. But what happened is when the judge stepped out from his bench, he put his arm around you and said, I'm going to adopt you. You're coming home with me. And now you're in a second room. Now that you're a believer, you're no longer in the courtroom of God's justice. You're in the Father's house as an adopted child. And so, what happens when you sin as a Christian? You don't go back to the courtroom. You don't go back to the judge and say, forgive me legally. No, the gavel already came down. He said righteous with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. What do you do? You go to your father at home. This is not a legal issue, this is a relational issue when you sin as a Christian. You go to your father and you say, Father, I've shamed the family name, I've, I've disappointed you, I've sinned against your goodness forgive me. Before Christ, it's forgiveness in the courtroom of God's justice. After Christ, it's forgiveness of the Father. is a bad idea, this idea of we're condemned when we sin. Bad idea number three, there is punishment after death for our sins. This usually isn't defined, except in Roman Catholicism where you have purgatory, but for for Protestant people, it just sort of sneaks in in this sort of fuzzy, unformed, unshaped way. There's sort of this foreboding sense that I'm going to face God's punishment after death. That is an absolute contradiction of Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Related to that, bad idea number four, we will be judged for our sins at the judgment seat of Christ. Notice the key words, for our sins. We will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ, but not for our sins. The New Testament is clear that the future judgment of Christians will be about reward, not punishment for our sins. Let me give you a verse that makes this very clear. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a participant in the New Covenant, according to Hebrews. A new covenant that God made with you that has promises. And here's one of the promises. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 17. Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember what? No more. God has promised you, believer, that he will not bring your sins up against you again forever. And he's not going to break that promise. Is he faithful? Is he trustworthy? Has he ever lied? No, that's his promise. So what's God's response to all of that bad theology? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. By the way, the word no, you could really say never. This is not merely our present condition, this is our permanent position. We are forever beyond the reach of condemnation. I love the way Jesus says it in John chapter 5 and verse 24, listen to this. By the way, he's just said, the Father has given me all right to judge. And now he's going to tell us who's going to be judged and who isn't. Chapter 5 of John, verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Have you heard the word of Christ? Have you repented and believed in him? Then Jesus says this, he has eternal life, and listen to this, and does not come into judgment. Jesus says, I'm the judge, and if you have repented and believed in me, you will not ever come into judgment. Not condemned and never can be condemned. By the way, this is true even with human justice, isn't it? I mean, if a criminal is convicted in the U.S. and receives the death penalty, he can appeal that verdict. But as long as he's in that appeal process, he knows that it's possible his guilty verdict will be upheld and he will be eventually executed. However, once his case gets to the Supreme Court, If the Supreme Court reverses his verdict to not guilty, then he no longer has any reason for fear or concern. Why? Because there's no possibility of condemnation. Because the highest court in the land has rendered its verdict. There's no higher authority that can reinstate that guilty verdict. Folks, that's exactly how it is with us. If the only lawgiver and judge in the universe if the one who is by himself the supreme court of the universe, if he justifies us, then who can ever declare us guilty and condemned? There is no higher court to which the case can be appealed. Paul makes this very point down in chapter 8, verse 33. He says, who will bring a charge that sticks? Who can make a charge stick against God's elect since God is the one who has justified, who has declared you righteous. Where is that appeal going to go? Verse 34, Who is the one who can condemn you? Who is the one who can say, Guilty, and here's the penalty, if Jesus Christ was the one who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. There is therefore now no condemnation. There's a third and final insight in this verse, it's the special beneficiaries. Not everybody can be said to have no condemnation. It's only verse 1 says, for those who are in Christ Jesus. There, Paul identifies both those who are free from condemnation and why they're free from condemnation. He says those in Christ. Well, elsewhere, Paul calls all believers refers to all believers as those in Christ. I have a string of references in my notes, but it's a point that doesn't need to be proved. So if you are a Christian, you are in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Well, remember, he explained it back at the end of chapter 5. He contrasted your being in Christ now with your having been in Adam before your salvation. In the garden, God appointed Adam to be your legal representative He acted on your behalf, and you got the consequences for his sinful actions. In the very same way, to be in Christ means that if you believe in his Son, God has appointed Christ as your legal representative, and you get all the benefits of Christ's actions, the blessings of his perfect life and of his substitutionary death. In fact, listen closely, there is only one way that condemned sinners like us can ever get rid of our condemnation. It's through our legal representative and what he has done for us. What changed our verdict from condemnation to no condemnation was that the Father condemned Jesus in our place. Look at chapter 8 verse 3. This is exactly what Paul says. We'll look at it in more detail, Lord willing, next week. He says, What the law could not do, weak as it was, through our own sinful flesh, God did. What did God do? He sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, that's just like us but without sin, and as an offering or as a sacrifice for sin. And when God did that, notice what God did God condemned sin in the flesh. You know what Paul is saying? You get the no condemnation verdict because Jesus got the condemned verdict. The reason that God can say to you there is no condemnation is because on the cross He imputed, He credited your sins to Christ and He said to Christ, condemned. You're going to die for the sins that He committed, that she committed. That's the gospel. If you are in in Christ, and if you're a Christian, you are, there is no condemnation. I have to share this quote with you from Lloyd-Jones. This is the practical application. What do you do with this day to day? Lloyd-Jones says, never allow yourself to go, even in thought, under condemnation again. In fact, that is to sin, because it is a failure to believe the Word of God. Answer the accuser, The devil with Romans 8. Tell him that you know what you've done, that you have grieved your Lord and disappointed him, but that you also know that it has nothing to do with law and that therefore there is no condemnation. You are like a child who has sinned against his parents and you know what to do and to whom to go. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And folks, this verdict doesn't change. The status of no condemnation can never change. Look down at chapter 8, verse 39. I love this. Paul says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, in other words, nothing that can happen in this life, nor death itself, nor outside powers, angels, principalities, powers, nor things present, that's right now, nor things to come, that's everything yet to happen nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. In other words, nothing in the universe will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you see what Paul does? He bookends this chapter. He begins by saying, no condemnation, and he ends by saying, no separation. Nothing can change that no condemnation verdict because nothing can separate you from the love of God that has been set on you.
1: That's Tom Pennington here on The Word Unleashed with Part 2 of his series, No Condemnation. Join us next time for Part 3. And friend, join Tom Pennington in Southlake, Texas, February 18th through the 20th for the 2022 Countryside Bible Church Conference, Our Glorious Hope. Tom welcomes Steve Lawson, H.B. Charles, Philip DeCourcy, and more to remind you of the eternal hope of heaven that is ours in Christ and to spur you on to live in light of that reality today. Visit thewordunleashed.org for more information and registration links to the conference. The Word Unleashed is made possible because of the prayers and financial gifts of individuals like you. Please consider partnering with us. You can find out how to do that by visiting thewordunleashed.org.